Stand Up for the Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up for the Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. We've got a pastor's perspective today on so many things, including, but not limited to, the Asbury Revival and revivals in general. I know we spoke about that with Elisa Childers a few weeks ago and a few other guests touched on it, but we're going to talk to Pastor Randy White in a minute and get his take also on the Jesus Revolution movie, which um, I haven't seen yet, but I've heard a lot of good things about it, and then I've heard those who will pick it apart and probably, probably pick everything apart. But anyway, the hard-to-please crowd. Um, not that it's a perfect film, but uh, we'll talk about that. Plus the rise in biblical illiteracy, which a uh, new report is out, not surprising, uh, from Barna. But also there's a report, Family Research Center, um, there's hostility against churches is on the rise in the U.S. We'll... Maybe we'll get to that, but I want to mention one thing. We had a guest on a week or so ago, and um, we, jeez, oh, I had the information right in front of me. Um, it's a Bible drive, Jason Wolford, Jason Wolford, um, and what we're trying to do in our area, Appleton, Wisconsin, Green Bay, Wisconsin, Calvary Chapel is collecting Bibles to be sent to this organization in Michigan. And it's it's really cool. I've got a, a flyer in front of me. It's called Mission Cry, and that's the name of the organization. They're in Michigan. They receive Bibles that are donated, used Bibles that are sitting on your shelf gathering dust, new Bibles. You can send them to Mission Cry. Or if you are in the Fox Cities, Appleton, Wisconsin area, Green Bay area, and you can get your books to Calvary Chapel in Appleton, um, they're collecting them through the entire month of March. So all this month, you can drop off your used or new Bibles, even some Christian books, but they have to be approved, of course, because there's so many, quote, Christian books out there that are kind of unchristian. So anyway, get that information at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Go to the podcast. Otherwise, you can go to Calvary Chapel Appleton and get information there. You can drop off the new Bibles and donate to Mission Cry. They are sent overseas. They're given freely to people who cannot afford them, people who don't have Bibles. So English and Spanish Bibles are accepted. Now, on to our guest today, pastor and author Randy White, back with us. Randy White Ministries and Dispensational Publishing. He's the founder of John Nelson Darby Academy. So we were going to, we are going to talk a little bit about homeschooling and the rotten to the core a government-run education system. But he's got a recent book out. We had him on last year to talk about evangelical garbage, how evangelicalism is confused, manipulative, and downright dangerous. Maybe he should explain that again for us. Randy, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you. Glad to be with you all this morning. I appreciate it. Yeah, since um, the book title is quite provocative, so you people know exactly where you stand, let's uh, just, just share a little bit about it and just describe it for those who didn't hear you last time you were on. Well, it is no surprise uh, where, where my stand is on a title <laughs> like that. Yep. I, uh, I, I am 
concerned that what we, in fact, almost convinced that what we were warned about, my generation was warned about, that it only takes one generation to to lose it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we were the generation that lost it. We we gave away the church, and the churches we grew up with anyway doesn't yeah. exist anymore. Exactly. And I would argue that which has replaced it is just a shadow of what used to be in mm-hmm. the in the uh, church and. We're largely to blame, uh, and I say we as the church itself, uh, and and largely in chasing the world and the world's values, and uh, almost uh, bowing down to a golden calf of the church growth movement. And in doing so, we gave up really the preaching and teaching of the Word. Mm. And it's been over a couple generations. Um, You think of how it has declined uh, biblical morality, how churches, instead of going out and preaching the gospel, teaching how to make disciples and actually influencing the culture, um, is it safe to say that the church has generally in so many different ways conformed to culture? Yeah, very much uh, so. And, 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 And unfortunately, conformed to culture with the encouragement and almost the guidance of especially denominational leaders mm. and and various movements within evangelicalism, the idea that you were supposed to conform to the culture and not be offensive to the culture really was, again, it was propagated by ourselves. And so we became no different from the world. And honestly, if we're no different from the world, the world doesn't need us. Mm. Amen. We are to be set apart not blend in with the world. So, Pastor Randy, we've got a lot of different topics that we wanted to touch on today. Um, we could do a whole podcast on possibly each one of these. Let's start with a Christian film called Jesus Revolution. It's done extremely well uh, in theaters. Um, it, it seeks to open hearts to the gospel through a very powerful and true story about Pastor Chuck Smith, Calvary Chapel movement, out there in Southern California, they kicked off in the late or the six, late sixties, yeah, early seventies, and it ranked uh, or it raked in fifteen point five million the first weekend of the box office, and continues to do very well. And now let's just start with that. This should tell us a lot. It's called Jesus Revolution. So just the fact that Christians are hungry for Christian films, Christian movies, family friendly movies, inspirational and or religious films. That should tell us a lot in and of itself, but let's let's talk about it. What are your thoughts? Did you see it? Well, I I, I actually haven't seen it. I've seen I've seen bits and pieces of it, and 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 really, I'm go. I've, I've I've talked to a dozen people who have seen it, mm-hmm. and I'm going to give it uh, good reviews. Uh, I uh, I was headed to see it, and a big snowstorm came, and so, oh. <laughs> so I missed it. But uh, but let me let me just say uh, something, and, and you uh, you touched on this, the success that it has in the box office. I I hope and I wish, though I really don't have uh, great uh, great confidence in this. I hope and I wish that Hollywood would see this and say, "Hey, if we want to keep our theaters open and we want to keep our business open, we've got to go to fam- family friendly films." Mm-hmm. That there yeah. is a huge segment out there that has money in their pocket, ready to spend, and they'll even buy some popcorn and yeah. uh, <laughs> and uh, make movies that fit this audience. Now, my my the reason I don't have a whole lot of hope is that I am afraid that. 
ideology uh, drives Hollywood even more than money, if you can imagine that. And mm. the, it, they have proven time and time again that they are willing to lose money uh, in order not to give up their secular godless values. Uh, so that really means it's going to move out of Hollywood. As it, as it did here, you know, this movie was not produced by uh, Hollywood filmmakers. Uh, this was, uh, was produced by Christian filmmakers. Mm-hmm. So there's a, there's a really big market out there. It's hard to get in, but there's a really big yeah. market out there for Christian filmmakers yep. and, uh, and, and, and writers, uh, script writers and, uh, and, and those that, that like that technological field, but used to worry that they would have to go work for godless Hollywood. Now there really is an option, and that's a good a good word for young people. Yeah, it's produced by Lionsgate, and initially, this year's Hollywood skepticism about family-friendly or religious films, there were reports that the movie would earn $6 million at the box office. Well, in the first weekend, it earned 15.5, and it took the third place. And by the way, it should have been in the first place if you consider the number of theaters it was released in because it was released in less theaters than the top two, quote, Hollywood films. And so there's a lot. I mean, we've had Kevin Sorbo on. We've had um, uh, Pure Flix uh, creator on. And we talked about God's Not Dead. There's a lot of great movies. The Kendrick Brothers, they've done a lot of great films. Um, Kirk Cameron and so many others. They're trying to do a lot of good quality productions. In the early days, we didn't have a lot of quality, quote, Christian productions or films. But now I think the production value is catching up. But, Randy, I think it's the message that resonates. Um, the yes, the yes. movie. I, I think. Go sorry, ahead. I didn't mean to Well, I was going to say, just, I, I, just I, the movie by um, uh, Mercy Me. What what was it called? There, I, I can only imagine. That one was, it went blasted to the top, raked in. I don't remember what the final numbers were. Hugely successful at the box office. A total Christian film. Yeah, exactly. And some of these, even if you don't agree with every point theologically or with uh, some of the emotionalism that may be in it, whatever it is, you know, just to support that movement, I think is a good thing to go ahead and go to the theater and mm-hmm. see that. And you'll be blessed by it in, yep. in some other ways. Uh, you know, it's like going to any other movie. You, you like parts of it. You don't like parts of it. And that's okay. Uh, it's a movie after all. Uh, but uh, you really can support some of this Christian movement by going. And I think on this particular one, you know, it, it is a compelling story with Chuck Smith, whether you see it in a movie or you, you read it in a book or you uh, knew him individually, there really is a compelling story there. And it's a story really about a man who cared about seeing people come to Christ and a man who cared about teaching the word verse by verse. Mm. And that ought to even tell uh, again, modern evangelicalism, that there is a place for uh, for having a distinctively Christian, distinctively biblical approach to Christianity in the world today. And, the, of course, the hippie culture was uh, far from uh, having any kind of worldview. The, the, yeah. <laughs> the, probably the benefit that they had that uh, is not had today is that the hippies at least had Christian parents and grandparents, and so they heard about it. <laughs> and, uh, now we're a couple steps uh, removed from that, unfortunately, in mm. uh, some of the generations. Uh, but the 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 work that was done to see this countercultural movement uh, 
to, uh, to, to share the gospel with them and to get them into the word with a lasting impact. Mm. I, I think that, uh, we would be foolish to, uh, to, to criticize, to, to be overly critical of that. Obviously, we could find areas we say, I would do it different, or they mm-hmm. should have done this, or should have considered that. But it, uh, it was a movement which really lasts to this day in, in solid Bible teaching. Yes. And, and we'll, I'll speak to it down the road after I see it. Um, but just from what I've read about it, what I've heard from Christians that I trust, um, very well done. Highly recommend you go see Jesus Revolution. Now, whenever, you know, they try to put actors to certain real life people that lived, it, it's hard to get the exact representation and there's a, some artistic license involved. And I, apparently, Pastor Randy, that was the case with one of the characters, I believe his name is Ronnie Frisbee, um, who I believe, uh, departed from the truth, but he was a, a big in yeah. the early days of that movement. Do you know anything about him? Because I think he died of AIDS, if I'm not mistaken. Right, right, and, and his name is Lonnie now. Lonnie, Lonnie uh, Frisbee. Yes, uh, and uh, yeah, he did. Uh, uh, he, he didn't come from the solid background that Chuck Smith uh, did. I think Chuck Smith, you know, uh, worked together with him. And I don't know his opinion later on after uh, Lonnie uh, sort of uh, went off the reservation, so to speak, mm-hmm. uh, on uh, how how that did. But I, I, the good thing is the movement itself that came from that recognizes that uh, that this man did not stick to the truth, mm-hmm. and they they did, they don't try to cover it up. And you know, in the in the early days, he was a a good servant, and he was with them. And later, he uh, he, he he left that. And yeah. I think the acknowledgement of that is clear. Yeah. And that's uh, you know, it, it's uh, it, in one sense, it's a humanity, uh, and you can see it all through the scripture of people who were faithful and then lost their their uh, faithfulness, either for a time or sometimes even forever. And uh, I think any of us who who work with humans are going to find that uh, that is a human trait, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, boy, there's there's so many directions we could go now, but I remember seeing it may have been a picture in was it Time magazine or Life magazine, uh, Pastor Chuck Smith. It was called the Jesus Revolution. It I believe it made the cover of Time magazine in June 1971, and Pastor Chuck Smith was doing mass baptisms <laughs> in the ocean, apparently out there in uh, right. Del Mar or Southern California, and. Uh, the whole idea is that the hippie movement who just were, were into the free love, free, you know, free sex, whatever, make love, not war, the movement of the 60s, the revolution. Now they're thinking, well, there's something there's after all the sex and drugs and rock and roll. There's something they found was still missing. Many of them started to search. Some of them came into churches. And I remember hearing the stories about. Uh, whether it was uh, Chuck Smith's church or other churches there in California, hippies would come in barefoot and all dirty, and some people in the church would look at going, they're going to ru- ruin the carpeting. And, they, you know, they had all these things that, that Jesus would absolutely not say, you know, because he cares about souls and hearts. And uh, just your take on that before we move on. Well, I, I, I'm going to I'm going to take a. I'm going to take an old man view on this one. Sure, sure. <laughs> you know, it is easy to look at those that had that attitude in the 60s and 70s and really paint them in a bad light and uh, condemn them and uh, put them as people who love carpet more than they love Jesus or soul. <laughs> uh, 
there, you know, going back to that, there was this culture that literally hated God, hated America, hated capitalism, hated everything that we were about. And to those people, to, to the to the to the elderly, or I'll say the conservative, it looked like these people were coming in to destroy their churches, and mm-hmm. so they they really, I think, were coming from some good okay. motives. Obviously, they couldn't read the future and see uh, what was going to happen. Yeah. And they couldn't see inside these hearts. But that is a really hard thing to to balance. So I think that uh, there is a sense because you know, honestly, it might have been uh, some of our. Uh, our grandparents who were, you know, those, those old stick in the mud that weren't going to budge on this one. Mm. And when we think of our grandparents, it's like, well, you know, they actually were pretty godly people. They were nice people. They loved the Lord and they loved the church and they loved America and they, they loved all things, you know, God, God and apple pie. Uh, and, and, and the hippies really were so much against that as a movement that I can understand how some could come in and say, oh, wait a minute, what's going on here in in what would appear to be, especially for that day, but even to some degree to this day, what would appear to be just a tremendous disrespect for the church, for the for the institution of the church, the traditions of the church. Uh, you know, when you when you got come, people uh, coming in, uh, uh, you know, barefoot sitting on the floor in the front, that that is against all of the traditions that the church uh, and the local churches had been for. Mm-hmm. So you can understand their suspicion at it anyway. Sure, and, sure. you know, fortunately, there are many who uh, said, okay, these these people are making a real change in their life. They really are studying the Word. They really are worshiping. They're not, they're not coming here to make our church an institution of sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Mm-hmm. And so good for them for seeing that. Uh, and, you know, at the same time, I guess uh, good for some of them for being— uh, discerning at the beginning, trying to say, okay, you know, do I really want to uh, stand and promote this thing when when I don't know what it is? Right, right. I remember Lisa Childers, uh, her dad, Chuck Gerard, was one of the early Christian music pioneers. He was in the film, and they even had a character portray him. It's just an interesting thought when you try to put real life, especially when it's religious in nature or a Christian, and put that to the big screen. You know, you, you've got to um, do some create, use some creativity. But this issue with how to handle the hippies, I mean, look at today. We might say, okay, might, that might be the LGBTQ individuals that may, might come into your right. church sincerely seeking um, and they should be absolutely welcomed in, but their lifestyle's not approved of. So there, there's maybe a, a line, a parallel we can draw. But Pastor Randy, you mentioned earlier uh, the emotionalism uh, involved with the Jesus Revolution, and w- something catches on, and then there's not only the the movement that God is behind, right, the Holy Spirit, which we don't want to quench, but then man can kind of take it and go, all right, let's try to manufacture something even more. And let's transition now to the Asbury revival, uh, what has been taking place in Kentucky. And uh, the, there is interest in Christianity that's, in, that's really growing. There's fascination. There are people just want to be spectators and want to go observe this thing. And then there are people who are really authentically moved and maybe authentically repented and came back to the Lord. And so th- there's some wonderful things happening in any movement like this that starts off 
where people are sincerely seeking God, but I want to get your thoughts overall on the Asbury revival in Kentucky. Yeah, yeah, and and honestly, I'll uh, say that from the beginning, I have been a, a skeptic on what's happening in Asbury, and uh, I see some some differences rather than parallels in what happened with the Jesus movement compared to what happened in Asbury. Okay, and uh, and one of the one of the big differences is with the uh, Jesus movement. It really was centered in the local church where these people were coming in, they were making a profession of their faith in Jesus Christ, they were joining the church, they were becoming part of it, they were carrying out uh, the work of the church then, and uh, and uh, they were sitting under a pastor who was giving them exegetical Bible teaching week by week, mm-hmm. and uh, often several days a week. Whereas the Asbury movement from the beginning really has been a campus-based time of worship, we'll call it, Uh, and uh, and I I fear emotionalism because it's so open to manipulation. Yes, and even more so than Bible teaching. Bible teaching, you certainly can can spin it and go go the wrong direction on it. But emotionalism just opens a person up to all kinds of manipulation. And, and it looks to me like Asbury was a, an emotional event, maybe even pre-crafted emotional event. And that is just, that's, that's uh, messing with the human soul in a way that I think is very, very dangerous, if not even evil. Mm. Uh, and, and, and I think we already see that the Asbury movement perhaps now could be called the Asbury fizzle. Uh, you know, it doesn't doesn't seem like it's going to go anywhere, mm-hmm. especially, again, down to the local church level and uh, to the, the the calling out of people to become pastors. A mo- uh, you know, the, the Calvary Chapel movement really did become a Bible teaching movement all across America. And uh, you can go today to almost any community of any size and a lot of small ones, too, and you'll find a Calvary Chapel. Uh, and that movement, again, was grounded in the local church and in the teaching of the Word, and it put forth a, uh, several generations of new Bible teachers who really wanted to study the Word verse by verse mm-hmm. and teach the Word verse by verse. In Asbury, it looks like we want to sing sing longer. Well, is and, it, is uh, it... you know, Maybe I'm wrong on it, and, and I hope mm-hmm. I am wrong on it, uh, but I think there's a lot of reason to be suspicious with Asbury that it's going to, to to really be nothing other than an emotional event. And honestly, that's the last thing we need in the church. Well, I hope that the youth that were the original, um, I guess you can say, pursuers of God early on, maybe they were authentically seeking and repenting those that came right. forward in the original. And I hope there will be some fruit down the road. Of course, repentance we know is fruit. That's fruit of the conviction of the Holy Spirit. So if they authentically repented, they're drawing near to God, now we should see a change in their lives as they go out and try to either preach the gospel, teach the word, make disciples, and and do the work of the church as you alluded to. So there is short-term, uh, perhaps, fruit that we don't see because it's more a personal in nature, the repentance, and we don't see unless they get out in public and you know do something. Um, but then there's the long term, like you mentioned, Pastor Chuck Smith, the Calvary Chapel movement, which is still going, and uh, they're teaching the Word of God, and they're preaching the gospel, and um, so there's a big difference, but 
Are, are we? I, now, let me just say this: We also know that some men, uh, some affiliated with the NAR and others who just want the headlines. I think Todd Bentley and others. They came in and they swooped into Asbury, and I think they just try to put their spin on things. That can damage it. And I just want to clearly say that anything good happening can be damaged by people who don't have the respect of the Christian community. Your thoughts, Pastor Randy White? Yeah, and and, uh, early on I gave a commentary on our Ask the Theologian program, and and my fear was that, uh, in fact, this was the Monday after the thing started on, I believe, Friday or so, uh, my fear was, these people are going to swoop in and capitalize on this. Mm. And this is a, this is a, an illness within evangelicalism today that I don't think we notice or recognize too much uh, or recognize enough. And that is that the evangelical movement as a whole has become so um, driven by parachurch organizations often and these parachurch organizations uh, and individuals really do jump on these things like a frog on a June bug. Hmm. And next thing you know, it's marketed and you got uh, T-shirts and ball caps and uh, programs and, <laughs> uh, uh, and, and, you know, everything else. And it, 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 that's, that's something if we had strong local churches wouldn't happen because it would, these people would get into local churches and uh, things would, uh, would would carry on then in the long term where discipleship can take place and, and growth can take place and there's an avenue for ministry to take place and there's some mentoring and some guidance and all the good things that a local church in its best does. But unfortunately, uh, it, it happens that they get involved in, uh, you know, something going on in Kansas City or right in California or wherever it is and not really attached to their their hometown and local church and that's that's a that it's a sad thing that mm-hmm. uh, has taken place and until the values of evangelicalism as a whole change that's probably not going to change and yeah. and uh they and, and again the problem with the it, it goes back i think to the church growth movement where we were taught uh you know that if something is working then that's what we do yeah <laughs> and so now it's constantly chasing the the next big thing in my church you know if i could do something that would uh, double the attendance then i would be out doing speaking conferences because all the organizations would hire me to uh, to go say okay this is how you double the ch- the, the, the church you know and it, it, again it's almost a golden calf that we're bowing down to and worshiping and i think that's a very dangerous thing rather than just the solid uh, teaching of the Word of God, which does bring about a life change. You know, the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the divisions of the soul, the spirit, the joints, yes. the marrow. Yes. And uh, if we would uh, have the value of saying, we want to see people studying the Word of God. And if it starts on a college campus, and even if it starts uh, in, in an emotional experience, we're all for it. Yeah. Uh, we just want it to get really quickly into let's open up our Bible mm-hmm. and uh, see what it has to say. Yes, the Word produces life change. I like the way you said that. Um, we've just got two and a half minutes left in this first segment, Pastor Randy, and one thing we it's kind of skipped over, uh, and we can talk a little bit about this when we come back, but the the current music that we hear in some churches, some of it's not even biblical, but it certainly is emotional. 
Uh, there are certainly some catchy tunes that uh, Nash Vegas is putting out there, the Christian music business, because it is a business in Nashville, and they're putting out some catchy tunes to get people. And what you said, popularity, just because, hey, it's bringing in more people. More people are coming to our church. We must be doing something right. That's not necessarily the right conclusion. Uh, two minutes on this, please. It's not uh, the right conclusion, and unfortunately, again, it has become a business, and it is it is it is marketed and it is sold and it's a big business. Yeah. And I think we've got to get away from this in in uh, Christianity, really. But it's mostly evangelicalism that's got this problem. Uh, and get, you know, I doubt that Fanny Crosby was making a lot of money writing her hymns. <laughs> she, uh, and. And yet they they stood the test of time, and Amen. we we we're, we're again we're chasing the wind on these things, trying to find that song which is really going to stir the soul. It's going to get me to raise my hands or bow on my knees, uh, and and uh, and and yet so much of it is not theologically driven. Uh, and is and is uh, now we could go into the hymns and show a lot sure. of hymns that had bad theology too, no doubt about it. Um, but uh, here you've got bad theology and bad emotionalism mm-hmm. mixed together, wow. and yep. that that shapes the church in unbelievable ways. You know, mm-hmm. we are so shaped by music as creatures here uh, that that uh, it the, the church ought to come and say, okay. Our music has to be vetted. We've got to look yes. at this. We need to, to bring this out because it is going to change people for better or for worse. It is going to change people and it is going to uh, touch people. And Yeah, we talked about that on the podcast too, and that's the Christian music movement in worship. When we come back, we'll continue the conversation with Pastor Randy White and talk about the education system next. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth. All right, we've got Pastor Randy White on the line. We are Before we jump into education, we're going to continue our conversation and wrap this up on how youth, they're just more attracted to music and anything that's maybe emotion-driven, but more with a catchy phrase or a good beat or... Uh, cool-looking worship band, and I'm thinking of another parallel we can draw, Pastor Randy White, with the Jesus Revolution and the early uh, movement out there in California where they were, I mean, they had Maranatha music, they had uh, um, love song, and the early music was was biblical, it was heartfelt, it was not emotional, it was not um, beat-driven, and I just want to get your thoughts on the comparison. Well, I think the I think you're exactly right that if you were to analyze the music of the Jesus Revolution, which was a revolution itself, Mm. no doubt. I think it gave birth to the contemporary Christian music industry. Uh, But uh, at the same time, I think that it was pastors of local churches who were vetting that music that was going to be sung in their congregation. And they were willing to push the envelope a little bit as to the sound and and the... uh, the style of the music, they were okay with that, uh, and I'm okay with that too. Uh, but but uh, but those pastors were still saying, okay, is that is that biblical? Is that accurate? Is this uh, is this a healthy diet overall? And they were looking at that. Now I'm afraid the uh, the the tail wags the dog, as we say, mm, and yeah. that 
it is the music industry that's that is uh pushing it on the church and there's there's not much vetting that goes on mm. and so it's emotionally driven is, yep. is what the problem has become and i think this is a good word for parents uh, even as we transition to talk about some education in just a moment yeah that teenagers are naturally teenagers college students uh uh, even children are naturally uh, much more, their, their emotions are much more on the surface. Mm-hmm. And because of that, their emotions are easier to tap into. And this is why I think, you know, the majority of the film market, for example, is, uh, is directed towards young people because they're, they're not, they're not like us old men, you know, uh, <laughs> criticizing the, uh, uh, the, the production value and uh, some of the other things, you know, the overall message, they just, gripped by emotion very quickly and uh and and part of that is is uh, just the way we're wired i think yeah. when we're younger uh but a parent needs to recognize that and and again a healthy church needs to recognize that and yes. say we've got teenagers especially who really are emotionally driven mm-hmm. and god has given them those emotions and those emotions really add some some uh, energy to our fellowship and some uh, some excitement for us, and we like that. Uh, but we, as the older people, want to make sure that that emotion doesn't take over and that that emotion uh, is guided in the direction that leads them to a solid life. And as a parent, then, I want, now for my grandchildren, I want my my grandchildren to to be intellectually driven, to be uh, uh, fact-driven, and I can foster that within them. The emotion's going to come naturally. Mm-hmm. Let that be fed. Let that be uh, even even celebrated, but make sure they're getting the value that says, okay, ultimately, I, I actually want to read the words <laughs> and see what they say yes, and see what's behind it and who's behind it and all of the things that we can uh, look for. Because when they're when they're thirty five and those emotions start to wane a little bit, as uh, I, don't, I don't know, you know, why we're wired that way, but uh, <laughs> we 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 tend to not be as emotional uh, as we grow older. We don't want to leave them with nothing. They, you know, the the emotion now is gone in their heart, and they've got they've got this emptiness that we never filled along the way. Mm, I think you put that very well, and so I think the bottom line here is theologically sound worship lyrics or even Christian music lyrics. And we've really got to be discerners and know our Bible and how how something reads. When I'm standing at a church, maybe visiting a church and looking up at the lyrics during the worship before the pastor comes up to preach, and I'm look something stops me because I can't figure out how that how that's biblical <laughs> and and but it's catchy. Um, there's a problem. So I think if more people would just do that and then lovingly approach your pastor or and or worship leader and, and say, hey, I'm just wondering about that one song that said this. Uh, where is that idea in Scripture? And just I think there's a way we can do that. But, boy, Randy, it's, it's going to take a lot of work and it's going to take a, a, a big effort across evangelicalism, don't you think? I, I, I do. And, you know, I think, again, the problem here with the, with the tail wagging the dog. It used to be that theologians wrote words and then musicians came alongside and added music to it. Yes. Uh, like yes. Martin Luther, for example, a mighty fortress is our God, a yeah. poor work never failing. And, and now it's come to 
a musician writes a song and then they add some words that fit the song. And the problem is sometimes you just have to string together a whole bunch of ideas that there's really no cohesion in the words because the cohesion was, was aimed towards the, the tune, uh, mm-hmm. the music, the yeah. chords. And, and, and we're, we're going at this the wrong way. We need to, uh, to, to train. And this comes mm-hmm. into even education. We need to train our young people uh, how to craft words that are rhetorically yes. beautiful. Yes. And, uh, and then there will always be a songwriter who can come and, and make that last for the ages. Yep, well put. Pastor Randy White, uh, Randy White Ministries. Uh, we also wanted to talk about the John Nelson Darby Academy because I've got some a uh, couple of headlines and stories that I do every week over at Freedom Project Media in Appleton, Wisconsin, we, a show called Educated. And it really is educating parents on what's happening in the K-12 through system and the university level. We've done stories, for instance, Randy, on colleges that a Christian group in the college has to defend itself for wanting to uphold Bible biblical principles and, for example, not wanting an LGBTQ individual to lead the Christian group at a college. And then there's all kinds of chaos and debate over this. Well, let's go back to K through 12. Let's talk about what you're doing at John Nelson Darby Academy before we get to a few of these headlines. Yeah, I, I, I will be happy to. We like to partner with parents who would like to homeschool their children and yet don't feel they have the uh, either the time or the knowledge to develop a curriculum. And so we develop uh, the curriculum on their behalf and we come, come alongside the parent who's, uh, you know, saying, okay, it's, it's time to, time to, time to, Johnny, it's time to focus on your, on your work. <laughs> and, uh, you do that. And then we have, uh, it's, it's completely online. It is mostly, uh, text based rather than video based, okay. which not only gives the benefit of, of, uh, scheduling that uh, can be done almost any time, but it also really helps produce good readers. And I'm convinced that if, if you're a good reader, you there's 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 nothing that can stop you you can figure out anything if you're a good reader and uh, you know in in video-based uh, online education you got to be a good watcher and a good listener which has its benefits but there's plenty of training in that out in the world because we're so video driven in our in our society yep. today uh, so ours is really heavily uh, reading focused and that's why we don't start till the third grade at the john nelson darby academy uh, and uh, go through the third through the twelfth grade, and uh, uh, you know there's there's uh, there's a teacher to help them when they're stuck on a problem. There's a helpline they can call uh, anytime and uh, get get someone to work through their problems uh, with them, uh, their issues. Try to help them to understand something that that uh, is not going. But what we find is. The older the student gets, the more they realize, hey, I can read, I can, I can find the answer, I can look this up, I can mm-hmm. figure it out. And they beca- become self, self-learners, uh, which, uh, you know, they become their own teacher in a sense, which is really what you want by the time you get to, you know, 11th and 12th grade especially, mm-hmm. is that uh, these, are, these are students who are able to, to take a concept and, and and grasp it because then they have these passions out there and they say, well, I want to, I want to learn computer coding or I want to learn filmmaking or I want to learn uh, uh, gardening or whatever it is. And, and there's so many resources out there 
and we've taught them how to teach themselves something, and I think they go on and they become very successful adults. What they don't always get in pub- the public school system, prepared for the working world or adulthood. And by the way, I think you had a lot of young Christian parents that are listening, Pastor Randy. I think you had them at reading. <laughs> so, I mean, the, <laughs> right, the, right. the levels of reading or math, I mean, historically, if you can go back decades to the 1980s or 90s when I think John Stossel over at ABC at the time and others were trying to expose the education system that seemed to just keep on asking for more money for the teachers' unions, and they they their answer for the failing test scores and the decline in um, proficiency in reading and math or, or writing, it was, oh, we need more money for the system. So um, I'm sure you've heard that excuse. Exactly. And uh, uh, by the way, uh, for parents uh, interested, our tuition is $100 a month compared to oh goodness. Uh, the uh, wow. the thousands that it, it costs through the taxpayer system or even a lot of uh, private education because they do it a little differently. And some, you know, a, a brick and mortar private education certainly is going to cost more mm-hmm. uh, than ours is. But it's very affordable and, again, focuses on reading. I am almost convinced that if if we do nothing other than teach uh, reading and and uh, grammatical principles, that everything else could w- w- could and would come into place. If we put a love for reading, they can learn math, they can learn science, they can learn all the. Now we do all we do the five basic subjects uh, uh, in in our classes, but I am convinced reading is really where it's at. They've got to be able to read, to write, to understand uh, the origin of words and the origin of our language and the use of our our language, and then grow in that mm-hmm. and be able to use speech in a dramatic way in order to convince others of their 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 ideas and the concepts that they have learned through reading. Okay, I just want to direct people to the website, and that would be JN Darby Academy dot O-R-G. Uh, Pastor Randy, a couple of the articles I just wanted to run by you to get your take, um, since they apply to education, are things that we will not see in a lot of homeschooling uh, movements, uh, like the J.N. Darby Academy. Loudoun County, Virginia, is historically one that has gone woke, gone progressive, all things LGBTQ, and they've shut parents out, they've shut parents off in school board meetings, and it's one of the biggest counties and the school districts in the country, I believe it's in the in Virginia, the Washington, D.C. area. So here's what happened. The school board and superintendent at the time, Scott Ziegler, were accused of covering up back-to-back sexual assaults in 2021. Now you're going, what, what does it have to do with public school? Well, a law, law firm was hired to investigate. The school board voted 6-3 to three to keep the report a secret and not tell the public. So, okay, the school board now doesn't want the the public and parents to know what happened. School board members lied to parents because behind the scenes, parents were unaware that a skirt-wearing male, in other words, transgender student, had sexually assaulted a female student in a restroom at Stonebridge High School. That incident was known by the superintendent and by the school board members. But Loudoun County Schools, at the time, Pastor Randy, they were, of course, considering a new transgender-friendly policy, so they covered up the assault. Worse, and I'll let you comment, instead of being kicked out, the male student was transferred to a different high school where he assaulted another female student at that school. 
So they didn't find out about this until a parent came forth at the school board meeting and demanded to speak, and he was dragged away by police in handcuffs. But the truth finally came out. This is what some school boards are doing to hide the evil that they are promoting within the schools. Your thoughts? Yeah, and it, it highlights the fact that our our government-run education is uh, is so ideolo- ideologically driven mm-hmm. that it will cover up crimes, literally. Uh, crimes against your children. Yeah. They will cover that up if something is going to harm their ideological push. And they have really gotten away from education and reading, writing, arithmetic. They're not so concerned about that. What they're concerned about is... Are we woke? Are we uh, promoting the uh, the 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 uh, sexual uh, revolution? To go back to that term uh, in a in a brand new way, uh, the sexual revolution of today, and are we uh, you know promoting the social justice, the economic justice, and and literally again it goes back to are we uh, are we anti-American, anti-God, mm-hmm. and uh, what will promote that and. You know, with with this particular young man, let me just say, and I uh, obviously don't know him nor the uh, the incidentals of the story. But whenever in any situation you allow a uh, a, a mental derangement uh, to continue, it is always going to to grow and become become worse. Go into other areas, and so here's a. a a young man who is uh, confused for whatever reason on uh, yeah. gender, yeah. and rather than help him to deal with with uh, that in a in, in a scientific even or a biblical manner, hopefully, uh, or a manner that would would uh, match Judeo Christian values and Western civilization, if nothing else, uh, in the public system, rather than do that. They allowed the mental derangement to continue, mm-hmm. yes. and they fostered that, and that ends up often in either crime or suicide or uh, perversions of other kinds, and it is always going to lead to something bigger and something worse. There is no, there is no um, uh, emotionally, spiritually, physically. Uh, stable transgenderism because it's it's a flaw at the beginning. It's like like building your house upon the sand. Exactly, and, and uh, you know it is going to come crashing down. Exactly. By the way, um, if you want to know how we got here and how some of these teenagers and young people are confused, just go to harbingersdaily.com. Read my recent article called "The Most Programmed Generation in History." So. Let's move on to another story, Pastor Randy White, a Christian. This is a Christian school, K through 8. Last year declared that, well, let me just read this. Last year it added a statement to its website that read in part, now again, quote, Christian school, K through 8. This was in uh, Kansas City, Urban Christian Academy. We are an affirming school. We stand with the LGBTQIA plus community and believe in their holiness. We celebrate the diversity of God's creation in all its varied and beautiful forms. End quote. With that, donors stopped contributing, and they announced that it's closing at the end of the school year due to loss of financial support. 
and I've got more details on this, but just your first thoughts, Pastor Randy. Well, my first thoughts, I've got two. First of all, <laughs> uh, there is a, there's a sickness, again, within Christianity and within evangelicalism yep. that allows these, uh, these, these school administrators to have that kind of messed up theology mm. coming out in, in the ideology of, uh, of gender as it did in that school. So again, where's their local church on this? Are, are these, are these administrators even part of a local church? But, uh, if they are, why, why, why wasn't their thinking challenged somewhere along the way? Where's the pastor in this? <laughs> What's going on that allows the, the theology to get to this place? But the problem is that's, that is the problem. The seminaries have promoted this kind of gender inclusiveness and LGBT friendly and, uh, uh, you know, affirming and welcoming as the, is the term that they uh, often use in the church world. Yeah. Uh, and so it could be that they're associated with a church or a denomination or something that, uh, again, has uh, basically through its own denominational or movement uh, education system, not really stuck to uh, the scripture. But let me then on another front say good for the donors who who quit quit supporting it yep uh, that's that's really what's got to happen money does talk yeah and uh i've even got a chapter a closing chapter of that in my book evangelical garbage on you know if you if you're really gonna make a values change you've got to quit going and supporting and uh uh, encouraging and allowing that to continue somewhere along the way, not early on, but somewhere yeah. along the way, you got to say, I just don't put my time and money in there and let those things die. And, uh, you know, they, they, they typically will not too many, um, private Christian education institutions are, have great endowments and they're self-funded forever. <laughs> so yes. yeah, money, money talks. And that unfortunately, you know, uh, where it's got, it, it shouldn't have ever gotten to that again, because uh, somebody's pastor, when that came out, should have said, hey, you know, uh, uh, where'd you get that? That's not right. Let's look at the, the word. And that should have been changed immediately. Again, if there was uh, some pastoral oversight, uh, some uh, some biblical oversight, whether yeah. it be a pastor or, what, or a board or whatever it is, but uh, but that obviously wasn't there. Yeah. And now they've, uh, they've, 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 they've lost it. And, uh, uh, hopefully the kids will find a better place to go well, to. Well, there's more details I want to share with you. We've only got four minutes left, unfortunately. I do want to get to the co comments from two churches who pulled their donations. But Kaylee Calloway George is the school's executive director and co-founder. She told ABC News that this is kind of what started the backlash from our donor base, which we anticipated. Now, listen to this. It was just that we anticipated a 50% loss in funding and we made adjust adjustments for that. In other words, so they could, you know, approve the LGBTQ ideology. We had an 80% loss in funding and that was too much to overcome. End quote. So Pastor Randy, they, they knew they were going to lose donors and they went, yeah. they were ideologically driven. They, they plowed through with this anyway. And it goes back to what we said about Hollywood earlier that, uh, they 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 are they are willing to lose money. In fact, they're willing to throw the whole thing away as yep. long as they can keep their ideology. The yep. money is really secondary, but you know you got to at least the money can slow them down, or the lack of money can slow them down, and that's 
we gotta we gotta shut off the faucet there sometimes. Okay, now a couple of juicy quotes, and I'll let you wrap it up. A church that uh, told ABC News, "Our greatest concern about the accepting and affirming stance is that it denies the biblical definitions of sin and identity, and thereby renders the grace of God meaningless." Another former donor said, do not call yourself a Christian school if you are affirming sin. And finally, another one said, by teaching them tolerance and acceptance, and even to celebrate the gay lifestyle, you are setting them on a course to embrace the world and anti-God philosophy. Now, I don't know how other people that actually are Bible-believing Christians do not agree with these churches and their words. Pastor Randy, closing thoughts. Yeah, I think that's where we've got to be. And uh, uh, again, in, you know, when it comes to education, why are they even getting there? Why are they not concerned about do these boys and girls know math? Do they know how to read? Do they can they can they pass a vocabulary test? And that's that's where it ought to be. If the public education, private education, there is an educational role that they are to carry out. And sadly, again. Uh, and probably because so many things are so emotionally driven mm-hmm. that uh, it is this this LGBT plus uh, ideology that is is driving things now, and you you got to watch for in, in Christian education. There's a lot of things to watch for. Yeah, I really I really want to look at how is this place doing in in the uh, fundamentals of knowledge. Mm-hmm. That's that's where I think our our emotion has to be, and unfortunately, that's not where the emotion for the school administrators is. And in many of these, and sometimes Christian uh, educators are very emotionally driven and not so uh, mathematically driven or grammatically driven. And this has got to change, yes. or we're just going to have one story after another in, in the challenges that we've got here. Well, we know that in the end, truth wins. And there's been a war on truth for many, many decades. But Pastor Randy White, thank you so much for your uh, just your commentary today. Very helpful, I believe, on all these different topics. And uh, randywhiteministries.org, correct? Correct. All right, that's the website. They can also find out more about John Nelson Darby Academy. Uh, God bless you, brother. We've got to not wait so long to have you on again. Let's keep in touch, okay? I always enjoy being with you. We have several John Nelson Darby Academy students in Green Bay, and uh, uh, it's uh, always a blessing to be with you. All right, thanks, Randy. God bless you, brother. Keep fighting the good fight. Uh, Coming up Friday, we've got John Haller on the podcast, J.B. Hickson, Todd Nettleton, Voice of the Martyrs, Wednesday, we are going to replay my podcast with Mary Danielson before she became co-host of Stand Up For The Truth. We're going to replay that. It's called Lurching to the Left. That's on Wednesday. But tomorrow, we've got Selwyn Duke. He's a conservative commentator. He writes for The New American and also for The Hill, The Observer, The American Conservative, World Net Daily, American Thinker, and many others. So we will really talk about some important topics tomorrow, what's going on in our culture and country. That's with Selwyn Duke at The New American. Guys, thanks again for your support, for sharing the podcast, and your prayers. God bless you. And as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.